0: Hey, um, if you have a Bible, flip open to John chapter 12. I want to move kind of uh, rapidly and try to get to our text as, as, as quick as I can. Um, but before I get there, um, I want to kind of catch you up on our week, uh, on, our, on the last four weeks or last two weeks of No Other Name. And I uh, kind of gave you a couple of ideas that the name of Jesus actually brings or some things that the name of Jesus actually is. And when you hear a name, a name is important because when you see a name, you identify with that name or you identify with that person or you have a name. So someone calls your name, then you listen clearly, or if someone says your name, maybe you run the opposite direction, but a name means something. And we believe that the name of Jesus, there's, there's no other name like the name of Jesus. And so I wanna give you the rundown of a few weeks of our, um, of our time together so far, but we believe that there's no other name that will fill you when the world tries to spill you. We believe there's no other name that will fill you when the world tries to spill you. If you allow the world to spill you out and pour you out, it'll do that. We also believe this, that there's no other name that will sustain you As the devil tries to steal from you. There's no other name that will sustain you as the devil tries to steal from you. The Bible says that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy from you. He wants to take all that you have. But God comes to give you a life and to give you an abundant life, a life that's overflowing. He wants to do that. There's no other name that will sustain you as the devil tries to take from you and steal from you. We also believe that there's no other name that can heal the pain from your past. We believe in this room here today... One out of one, people have a past. We use the phrase in our church that everyone has a hurt habit or hangout. We believe there's no other name that will heal the pain from your past. Jesus can touch the very space in your life, the very part of your life that there's a pain or there's a hurt. He can touch that and heal you. And the moment that he can heal you, we also look at the fact that this there's no other name that will already, that's already in tomorrow preparing you for your future. So while he's in the past touching you and helping you through your pain, he's already in tomorrow getting you ready for your future, getting your future amped up and getting, you excited, getting excited for your future because he has a great plan for your future. And we're super, super excited about that today. And We want to give you one more thing today. Only one phrase today. and We believe that there's no other name that's worthy of all the worship. There's no other name that's worthy of all of your worship, we've been in a 21-day fast, and um, one of the things that was brought to my attention um, from God and through some other people is that a lot of times when we when we um, when we go through life, life shapes us into a certain way. Life shapes you into. A, a, a certain way, and so whether you whether you grew up with a with mom or dad or a home where, where they were there or they weren't there, or whether you grew up with great parents or whether you grew up by your, your grandma or your grandpa, or maybe that maybe that shaped you and that kind of shaped you the way that you are today, or maybe you went to school and maybe there's some situations that happened at school that, that kind of formed you and shaped you into a certain way that kind of made you the way you are today, or maybe you had a bad circumstance or a bad situation that you went through and that kind of shaped you. The way that you are, but I'll let you a little bit into my life. The way we kind of grew up in our house, we um, I don't there's only a few of my siblings in here today, but we grew up in a, a kind of phrase that my dad said a bunch is we don't cry over spilled milk. We grew up with suck it up, don't be a whiner, don't be a baby. if my baby's crying, I'm like, you're a baby. <laughs> because I heard that, I'll tell I'll tell you one of my house, like, I don't care if they're two and a half or they're nine, I'm like, hey, you suck it up. Or, you know, we grew up in life of hey, my 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 daughter will say nine years old, she's like, that's not fair. And my wife and I will say almost verbatim, life's not fair. Life's not fair. And we're we're spitting out all these things that I hear. My mom and dad told me I find myself saying the same exact things. And my kids are like, Oh, I'm jealous. We don't say that we're jealous. You have to work hard. And so we kind of did that. And we kind of grew up, we're, we're we're kind of all all of my family. There's there's six of us, so five of us come to church here, but we all are kind of, we all kind of are a little bit a little bit tough. And one of the things that happened to me on the um, on really the first week of the Northern Name series and through this fast. By the way, in case you guys are like your mind's racing, I'm still going strong. This is decaffeinated tea, so basically I'm just drinking hot water with flavor in it. But for me, I realize it's kind of like a placebo effect. It just feels like coffee. I'm just like, I got coffee. It don't taste like coffee. This week I was so desperate, I'm like, I gotta try diet. I gotta try some diet. I gotta try decaffeinated coffee. I took two sips and threw it back at the barista. I'm like, man, I don't want this. This is nasty. I didn't throw it back at the barista. But one of the things that I got, so we've been going through this. We're, we're two weeks into it. We have one more week. We're doing great, Brook, And uh, one of the things that happened is uh, someone said to me, or through this process, um, Diana said to me, um, and just kind of the way that I'm shaped, and this is God said to me, you need to pray that you can be a little bit more softer. <laughs> because the way I grew up for so many years, is suck it up. We don't cry or spill milk. Because I had so much of that in my life, that I'm kind of like, let's go, pick it up, let's go, suck it up, Pull, you know, tighten your boots up, let's go, let's go faster, let's go stronger. Let's, let's go. A, lot, a lot of you guys are probably like that. You're like, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the that's school of hard knocks. You just get up and you keep going. Well, I find myself a lot of times I'm, I'm very harsh. It varies. So my wife's, my wife's smiling in the front row, and she's like, you need to pray that maybe God will kind of soften up your emotions a little bit over the 21 days. I'm like, emotions are for babies. I don't want emotions. No, I didn't say that to her. That's what I thought. Inside I was screaming all that. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray that I can be softer. And usually when it comes to my, if it comes to the top of my, you know, you guys see me up here for, for, you know, 30 minutes and I'm encouraging you and I'm inspiring people and I want to live that life off, off the stage. But I live in a, if it's not common, if it's common sense to me, Randy, <laughs> it should be common sense to you. That's kind of how I live my life. And so anyway, so it happened to me this week. I'm praying. I'm, I'm working on my sermon this week. I'm like trying. I, I'm not. I have. I'm not batting a thousand percent in this area of trying to be kinder and use my words, you know, for edification all the time. And so, um, I just. If it pops in my head, I say it. I'm, I'm kind of from the northeast, you know. what I'm saying I kind of have that in me. And so, some of you guys are resident. You know, you either you live with someone like me, <laughs> or you are like me. And so, um, so I'm, I, this week I was going to study. I'm listening to a sermon on worship, like. Things are going great. I'm listening. I'm, I, I read the Bible this morning. I read the Bible for 14 days straight. Like, I'm doing great. Like, you would think, man, Wes, you're going to be nailing it. You've got it figured out. You're doing well. So I'm going through my day and doing, doing, doing me. And it was Friday, and Friday's my day to kind of decompress from the week and kind of get ready for the weekend. And so I was going to get lunch, and I, I go to this lunch, this lunch place downtown. It's called um, Locos Gringos or Gringos Locos. Um, anyways, it's good. It's Spanish for something, you know what I'm saying? Crazy white people. I think that's what it stands for, crazy white people. Crazy white people, I got it. I knew I had it in me somewhere. My Spanish is impeccable. So I'm there, and I get out, and I, I have to go pay. I'm downtown. There's no places to park. You come to pay for food, and you got to pay to parking. It just makes the food not taste as good. So I go downtown. I'm trying to find a parking space. I'm trying to find somewhere for free. I can't find it. So I finally park. And I go up to the meter, and I I, I take out my, my wallet. And it says we take ones and fives. and. I'm like, this is great, so I, 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 in 20, so I'm like, this is great, I took out my, my $20 bill that I had, and I put my $20 bill in there, and, um, and it's saying one hour, two hour, three hour, four, no, it's not saying, it's saying two hours or four, hours. I was like, I, I'm just picking this up. I'm like, where's the option from? I'm just going to be here for five minutes. Why can't, why can't we have that option? But we don't. It's not in there. So I'm there, and I'm trying to get, get this in. I put my $20 in, and, and you, if you've ever been downtown and you've been in a, parking, in a parking situation, you probably can feel where this is going. I put my 20 in, and out comes $1 coins. It was $4. $16, $1 coin. Drop, 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 drop. Here comes the moment. So I'm there, and I'm like this is ridiculous, and I'm like, this machine doesn't have feelings, I'm telling it what I feel, I'm, I'm letting my emotions out on this machine, you know, and I'm like, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're a dork, you know, and I'm just saying, I'm saying all kinds of stuff, my son's on the front row, so I'm trying to edit the conversation, so I'm like, I can't believe you, and I'm just, and this lady comes behind me, she goes, sir, and I'm like, mad, because I just got 14, I just got 16 $1 coins, (laughs) And, um, and, I, all hitting, and I start, I'm starting to get out. on. She goes, sir, and I'm like, Arr. I said, yes, ma'am. I think I said it like that. I said, yes. And she's like, how do you park here? And my initial thought was, hey, I don't work here. I don't, what do I look like? Do I look like I work here? I'm wearing, I am not even, I don't even. I don't even have one of those things that these guys downtown walk around making sure you pay for it so they can give you a ticket. I don't have a printer on my on my hip like I don't work here. I don't even look like I work here, and so I'm there and she's so I'm I'm like she's like do you just and so I thought all that and I didn't say any of that. What I just said, yeah, I'm just thinking all that stuff. So I turn around, she's like is, can you park here? I'm like, yeah, you can, you can park here. I said, I did that. You can park here. And so I'm getting my coins out. And she's like, well, how do you do it? And I want it's like this. Here's my moment to, like, I'm listening to this worship sermon. I'm, I'm like, God's poured into my life. I look back and I go, ma'am, I don't work here. <laughs> Just like that. And I'm like, I get my, I shovel out all my coins and I'm like, you are such a jerk. You are rude. That's what people don't like you. Like, I'm beating myself up the whole way to the taco place. And I'm like, and I'm downtown. So I'm like, someone's, eventually someone's going to ask me for something. And I'm like, good news, I've got $16 with a quarters in my pocket, and I'm going to make it. But I'm like, every time I take two steps forward, I'm trying to do well, I'm trying to do well. And then it's like, test. Situation. More me comes out. And I want to have less me, and I want to have more Jesus coming out of me. And so we've been going through this book and through the, through the stories and reading through these, this life of Jesus. And the more you read about Jesus, the more you should start looking like Jesus. <laughs> What's in your mind and heart shouldn't always come out on your tongues and out of, out of your, your mouth. And so um, pray for me, pray for me. I think if I had coffee in my system, that would have never happened, but I didn't, so I don't really know. <laughs> so <clears throat> John chapter 12 is where we're gonna land today. I wanna talk to you guys today about worship. Um, I don't know if you guys are prepared for this, but in John chapter 12, I'm going to read to you. Um, I really have two sermons to preach to you today, but I'd like to start in John chapter 12, verse 12. If we can go to that verse first, um, this is Palm Sunday. This is the week before Jesus is, Jesus is. This is the week before Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. Um, some people call this Holy Week. We're going to take communion together in just a few moments as a, as a family. But in John chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible says, "The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city." A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and they went down the road to meet him. And they shouted, "Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel!" some some translations use the word Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. I I, did, I went live this week with this John chapter twelve, and as I was live, I was doing this with, with I was live with uh, Trip and with Hope and. And um, and trips saying, you know, they didn't. It doesn't. They didn't say, "Praise God." They said, "Hosanna." They said, "Hosanna." So I'm trying to explain to my son different translations. And that Didn't go very well, as you can imagine. Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, "Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your King is coming riding in on a donkey." On a donkey. Next week we'll look at a bit about the prophecy. I want to throw this out there for you guys if you if you if you're trying to learn more about if you're trying to learn more about the historical facts of, of what happened in the in the Bible times and with this idea of Jesus coming on the cross and we use a lot of terms a lot of phrases in church with the word prophecy and what happened is hundreds of years before this ever happened this was foretold and it was foretold that Jesus would come in riding on a donkey. The Bible teaches that. But what I want to plug to you today, and I get no royalties from this, is you ought to go out and watch the movie Case for Christ. Because it just came out last week. It's a movie on Lee, Stro- Lee Strobel. And he did a lot, of, a lot of the historical facts and observations that we, those prophecies, he talks about them. And so um, you ought to get that. And if you're like, oh, I don't see movies because I'm super spiritual, then buy the book. And it's, it's coming from the book was written many, many years ago. But there's a lot of historical facts that point to, what happened, one of the facts that we see here, and he's telling them this, is that he, the king would actually come in ride on a donkey. Why this should blow your mind is this. Typically, you don't see a king come into town riding on a donkey. You don't expect the savior of the world to come in riding on, on a donkey. If you, the, when the president comes to, uh, comes to our town, everything stops. There's motorcade. There's, you expect opulence and great and, and grandiose and secret security, and Jesus had none of those things. And so we see him there, he's coming to town and they're saying, praise God, praise God. And there was a donkey just like it was fulfilled hundreds of years prior to. His disciples didn't understand at the time <clears throat> that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into, into his glory, they remembered what had happened. They realized that these things had been written about him. They had an aha moment. Verse 17, many in the crowd had, had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead. And they were telling others about it. That was the reason for so many people went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Verse, in John chapter 11, we see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, and there's murmurs about that happened. So there's a bunch of people there. The reason why the crowd is there is because they heard the guy that raised Jesus is actually in town. He's actually here. The one we've been waiting for, this guy, Jesus, that you guys have heard so much about, that's gone through social media, it's gone through the websites, it's gone through snail mail, it's gone through mail, through the newspapers, all the things that we've heard about, it's actually made it right into our backyard, and so they all come to hear that. Verse 18, that was the reason so many people went out to meet him, because they had heard the, about the miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. When Jesus came into this, when Jesus came into this town, they began to worship him. And they didn't really know the magnitude of the cross. They didn't, they didn't experience it. The, the cross is going to happen on Friday, so they don't really know about it. They've heard about it. They kind of have a concept about it, but they don't really know the magnitude of how great this is. They don't, they don't, he's not arrested at this point. We he's not shackled up. He's literally going to town, but he's on a donkey going into town. And we see here in this passage of Scripture, they're taking out palm branches, and they're laying them at the feet saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise God, praise God. They were worshiping God. They didn't truly really know who he was, but they worshiped him anyways. They didn't truly know who God was, but they worshiped Him anyways. And worship is such a vital thing for you and I as followers of Jesus. And here's the reality here today. The reality is that everyone worships something. Everyone worships something. You can, you can throw a thing out there and you can worship. You name it. it can be Some of us we worship our stuff, and that's what we worship. Some people we, we worship our kids. Our kids are everything. People post this. This is my world. It's not your world. It may be a party world, but it's not your world. We can worship our kids. We can worship our cars. We can worship our, our, our spouses. We can worship a lot of things. Anything that we put before God, that could become worship or idolatry. And so we can worship, we can worship ourselves. We love ourselves. It's easy to worship ourselves. But we get so caught up in worship. And these guys don't even know him, but they worship him. And I love that. And how much more for people that don't know him, worship, how much more for people who do know him, how much more should we be worshiping? A heck of a lot more, shouldn't we? And so I love, what, I love the couple of guys that are kind of theologians in, in our day or kind of gone around us and before us. And I, I love what um, A.W. Tozer says this. He says, true worship, worship that is pleasing to God, it radiates through a person's entire life. Is your life exuding worship? Is your life just like, man, It's just I mean, your life is just one big worship. I, I think so many times we, I grew up in a church where, where we thought this was the worship. We thought the band and the guitars and the music, and all, we thought that was worship. And, and we say, man, come come worship with us. And that's only, the, this, this guy says, this is only a part of the worship. True worship, worship as pleasing God, it actually, it actually radiates through a person's entire life. I hope for us as a community, the only time we worship is not for 30 minutes in an hour and 10 minute environment on Sunday morning. We would miss it. We would be missing it completely. We'd be wasting our time. I didn't set, we don't set this up so we can come and worship for an hour. We worship, we we just, this is just a part of the worship that we do. This is only a small, small part of it. I love what John Piper said. He's a he's a, a Bible scholar of our day. He said this worship is an inward feeling and it's an outward action that reflects the worth of God. Can I ask you a question today, my friend? How much is God worth to you? How much is He worth to you? We'll see in the days ahead that to Judas he was worth some coins. And he sold Jesus out for some coins and that was him, him living, him, him turning his back on Jesus actually led to him taking his own life. How much is Jesus worth to you? And I would suggest to you and I today that there's no other name <clears throat> that's worthy of your worship. There's no other, there's not a name that I can think of that's worthy of your worship. I mean, if you're trying to get your mind around the fact that I, mean, I don't even know what worship is. I'm so new to church and you're using this worship thing like it's secondhand. I want to I tell you what, what worship is. Worship is when you go to a stadium and there's 11 guys in that football field. And you look up to the right and you see this guy in the end zone. And he has makeup on, he has a jersey on, he has a helmet on. He's not going to get in the game. But he is going, he is outside of his mind, yelling, screaming, cheering for grown men who don't even know his name. That is worship. We're going nuts. Our favorite team, name your favorite team, whatever your favorite team is. If you're a Christian, it should be the Florida Gators. If you're a college fan, it should be something. Dukes, I'm sorry, but it, you should, you, you have a team. That's, that's worship. Things that you'll throw your money at. Things that you'll go spend time, a lot of time in. The things you post about. I heard someone say this, we post, someone, someone says recently, we post more about our favorite sports team than we do Jesus. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? I'm glad we don't get into heaven based upon the facts of what we post and what we, what we, what we um, post on social media, and I'm glad Jesus doesn't use a and says, all right, you posted about the Orlando Magic 35 times. Most of them were negative, negative. Um, <clears throat> and you said some things I can't even say because I'm Jesus. Um, and you posted about me one time. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't do that. he doesn't do that. There's no, there's no scale chart. There's no comparison chart with Jesus. But we can look at our life and see what we spend time on, where we go, what we spend our mind on. We can ask for the question, what do we worship? And we can get the answer. We can get the answer. John chapter 12, verse 1. That was, that's message number one. That was pretty fast for a message for me. I'm bragging right now. I'm just good. The second one's going to be longer, though. Just hang in there. Some of you guys are getting a two-for-one. Um, I'm going to give you the next one. I was talking to Diana's dad this week, and um, he said, you know, Wes, one of the things that blows my mind is, is in, in a lot of things that if I were to teach this text, I would use this idea or use, call this sermon um, basically something around the fact that a lot can change in one week. Because I believe in this story in this passage of Scripture, we see him waving palm branches. But we see him less than a week later, they're hanging him on a cross. A lot can change in one week. And as I were talking about I'm like, man, it actually wasn't even a week because less, literally, this is Sunday, but on Friday there, on Thursday, he's being arrested, and Thursday Thursday and Friday, he's being arrested, and then he's being beaten, and his his body's being torn apart, and a crown of thorns showed his head, and they're putting him on a cross on Friday. And then three days later, he raises, again, A lot can happen in one week. I wrote down this question today. If a lot can happen in one week, what would you do if you had one week to worship? What would you do if you only had one week to worship? You got one week this week to go out and worship with all that you have. What do you do if you have one week? week to worship, and it's fitting today that when we read scripture, we have to get the whole—the chapters are awesome for us because it helps us keep things concise and helps us be able to find the scriptures, but when God wrote the scriptures that we we know this that the, he didn't give us chapters and verses that would have been awesome if he did but he didn't man came along and, and and began to put those in there so we can be able to find them we can direct people to and we can explain to them this when it says this in scripture go here and so i love that he did that for us but john chapter 12 for some reason the the, the guys that put the chapters and verses they package them together we know this is not in chronological order we know this point is but the whole bible is not written in chronological order every verse and chapter and we also know this about scripture it's not timely we think chapter 1s happened today then you would assume that chapter 2 happened tomorrow. So we do know this from this this chapter John chapter 12 he he's not he's not captured in John chapter 13 and he's not captured in John chapter 14. We have to keep on reading John chapter 12 and you see he's captured and we'll talk more about that next week and we know in John chapter 14 he's not captured because in that passage of scripture he's telling the disciples he's he's arguing when well, the guy says I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life and no man can come to the father except through me. I, I'm the way. So we know it's not written exactly chapter means the next day and day three and day four and day five but in john chapter 12 something happens right before this story happens and i want to make sure we read it because i think it's paired perfectly with this text john chapter 12 verse 1 the bible says this six days before the passover celebration began jesus arrived in bethany the home of lazarus the man he had raised from the dead A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate there with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. I think some people think they're so cool because they count these essential oils, but they've been around for so long. Like, they're in the scriptures. Like, this is, this is essential oil. And I've heard that some of the essential oils, how many of you guys are essential oil people? I've heard it's expensive. Some of this stuff is expensive. This stuff is mad, mad. One of my friends, she came over this week, and she's like, uh, Samantha, she's like, oh, have you ever tried the essential oils? And I'm like, no. I'm, where I'm from, we just, my grandma and my parents, they just always give us Robitussin for everything. Like, we don't need that. Like, are you feeling sick? Robitussin. Broken leg? Robitussin. We didn't care. We use Robitussin for everything. And if you're from that school, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we just, it's fitting that that would distract me, isn't it? Um, John chapter 12, the very next verse. So he's he's anointing Jesus' feet with oil. And she's wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance. Verse 4, I love this. Remember, a lot can happen in one week. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said the perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he actually cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some from himself. Man, I, this is so powerful. It blows my mind that Jesus runs with ratchet people he lets Judas be the money keeper knowing very well he would be the guy that steals from him that blows my mind why does Jesus do that and I know why he does it because he wanted you and I for you you are here today and you think oh man I'm such a bad sinner I have this issue, I have this issue, I have this and I've done a lot of bad stuff Wes and I've said a lot of bad things I've gone to a lot of bad places so he can remind you that Jesus hung out and had some of the people that were closest to him, but they were, they were so screwed up. There's no one in this room in here today that can say, well, I'm so screwed up, Jesus would never want to hang out with me. Jesus hung out with, with screwed up people, and he let the people that were screwed up hang on to his money. Why did Jesus do that? Because he loved well. He wanted a model for you. Now, we're called to love people that don't look like us, that don't act like us, that don't talk like us. They don't go places that we don't go to. All the things that we think are supposed to happen in church, where we're supposed to have all these people who look like us, act like us, talk like us. Jesus is like, no, I went for everyone. I stood for people that look like me, but I also went out for people who look nothing like me. But this lady here, Judas, is like, hey, you could have did this, and you could have given money to the poor. Judas, you didn't care. If I was Jesus in my emotional state, (laughs) I'd be like, you're a liar. Would, I'd be like, Judas, shut up. Like, you would just want more money to pad your pockets. I don't even know what they bought stuff with. They don't like they had malls back then. <laughs> Which I'm, you know, like, it were not like he was buying a house. They just followed Jesus. Why was he stealing? I want to know, why was he stealing money? That's a whole other issue. Was he just a klepto from the young age and he was always stealing? I don't, I don't know, but I got to keep going. It's another message. He's talking about He's like, he was a thief. Bible says he was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he had often stole from so verse seven. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me here. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him, and also to see Lazarus, the man that had raised the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. Like you died once, let's see if you can do it again. You're dead. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. What if you had one week to worship? Can I ask you a question? Would it look would your life look a lot more like Judas's? Would your life look a lot more like Mary's? You know, worship comes in all kinds of kinds of forms. It looks like a bunch of different things. I wrote down this in my notes. say that worship may feel inconvenient. And sometimes it is. But the cross wasn't convenient for Jesus. The cross wasn't convenient for Jesus. It was highly, highly inconvenient. I'm reading with my daughter last night in the... the, um, in, in the um, in her bed last night reading the scripture with us and I want you to know in here today I, I think you kind of get capture if you come long enough that I, I'm not perfect and I'm far from perfect but I try really hard to be a worshiper and I wanna be the I want to be the lead worship in our church. I want to follow Jesus as fast as I can. I want to run to him as much as I can. I want to follow Jesus follow Jesus follow Jesus. I really want that. But sometimes when it's late at night my kids like, hey let's read the Bible I'm like no go to bed. <laughs> That's the first thing that pops my mind. She's like come on dad like how can you tell your daughter who's asking you to read the Bible you don't want to read the Bible They're like I don't know. I can you know, pray for, pray for me. <clears throat> Hashtag pray for your pastor. I need prayer. I just, I go in there, I read this with her, I'm explaining to her that Jesus is on the, Jesus is at this last days of his life. In John chapter 14, last night was a reading. And, and I'm explaining to my daughter that Jesus was telling his dad, hey dad, there's another way for this to work. It's cool. But if there's another way for this to work, then that's fine too. Like I know this what I'm supposed to do, but if you've got a plan B that you have not yet told me about, now is prime time to give out the plan B. Now is a perfect time. In this passage of scripture, Mary is taking out one of the most expensive things that she's ever owned. That's worship. One of the things I I wrote down, one of the things I realized about worship is that worship doesn't care what the heck anybody else thinks. It just doesn't. Stephanie um, Ashley is a a contagious worshiper. She don't, when she comes here to worship God, she does not care what anybody thinks. The guy in the back row that's yelling amen during the sermon, he does not care what anybody thinks. He's just worshiping. He just doesn't care because worship doesn't care what anybody else thinks. Because when you worship, you know it's just you and God. And here comes to a point in your life where you get so close to you and Jesus that you're like, you don't even care. There's no one in between you. There's no one around you. It's just sometimes you get like, such a place where you're so close to you. It's just you and Jesus. Mary knew she had one week to worship. <clears throat> How would you live your life if you had one life to worship? Would you take that vacation to Tahiti that you never, ever wanted to? Would you max out your credit cards and go get some stuff? Would you take a vacation? I don't know what you would do, but what if you only had one life to worship? I believe this about worship and I believe this about Mary but I, I've always said this for as long as I've, I've, been a, I've been a pastor but private worship always produces public worship. Private worship always produces public worship. It always does. Show me someone who's worshiping when they're with people and they're hanging out with people. Show me, I'll, I'll, t- I'll show you someone who worships in private. I, I got a friend messaged me this, this week and she was like, hey, I missed the, or two weeks ago, she says I missed the sermon on the whole 21 days of fast but I, I don't want to miss out on that. What do I do? I love people asking, what do I do? I've never done that before. What the heck does that even mean? And I begin to explain through fasting and praying and, and, and showing her John chapter, all the John that reading John, the prayer list, and she's like, what do I do? And I'm like, man, I just know this. For me, that worship, you don't, you don't have to have all the answers. Worship, you don't have to know how to do it all the right way. But you just, when you worship, you don't care what other people think. I know this. And when you worship, you, you, when you come to worship, when you worship publicly, it's, show me someone who worships publicly, I'll show you someone who worships in private. And so here's what I would suggest to you today. There's no other name that's worthy of all your worship. There's no name, and I know this, a lot can change in one week. Here's what can happen in one week if we begin to worship. If you begin to worship, I believe this, you can go from a life of worry to a heart of worship in one week. In this room here today, it can happen today, and for some people it will happen today in a moment. I believe you can go from a life of worry to a heart of worship. A lot of times when we come here today, it's hard for me to talk about worship or talk about Jesus because a lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about the distractions we spend a lot of time as a church, distractions like, hey, God's great, God's great, God's great. But hey, here's these distractions that get in the way of, of, of how great God is. And if you never ever get rid of the distractions and you never ever get all the things that God wants for you, you can never worship fully. You can never worship uninhibitedly. You can never worship fully until you get all those distractions out of your way. And for some of us in here today, we live lives of worry. So it's impossible for us to live a life of worship because we're consumed with worry. We're consumed with worry. And so when we're talking about Jesus and we're also talking about distractions, one of the things that you need to know about Jesus is that Jesus loves you uncontrollably. So it really doesn't matter. Here's how I live my life and this is part of my, my makeup, but because life lies because because Jesus loves me uncontrollably, I don't have as hard of a time with people who don't like me as much. Because I know there's a God out there who created me, who made me, and there's no other name that's worthy of all my worship. So I want to worship him because I don't because he loves me uncontrollably and maybe someone else may not, someone may not like me, but God does. And so I, I worship him unhippantly. I don't, I don't worry a lot. I probably should worry some more. I probably should worry some. I just don't worry a lot. I want to go. Lee and I were talking about this today, and it's, and <clears throat> and it's, it's hard going to, to CrossFit with people that you go to church with because sometimes we're talking about church and Jesus, and, like, we're supposed to be lifting weights, and they don't give me extra time for talking about Jesus. Like, either you can start or you can be late, but you better get over there, you know, and everyone's running out the door, and I'm like, hey, man, how's church? I mean, how's good? You know, we, you know Jesus. I'm like, I'm like running out the door trying to catch up. It gets distracting sometimes. But I think so many times in life we get so busy with life that we can begin to worry about everything around us that we miss Jesus. We miss Jesus. And when we're, we're trying to follow Jesus and we're trying to pursue Jesus, and I'm trying to get everyone else who wants to go around me and, and go with us, and I'm trying to get them to follow Jesus. Sometimes it gets hard to worry about all the things that are around me, worry about all the things that are all the negative or all the negative errors. I mean, I just want to worship Jesus. I want to worship Jesus with everybody else who wants to worship Jesus with me. And it gets so many times that I can get sidetracked, and you can worry about all the wrong things. I believe in what we can go from a life of worry to a heart of worship. I also believe this. <clears throat> I believe you can go from a list of wishes to a life of worship. I believe a lot of our life, we spend in worry or we spend in a season of wish list. We have this wish list. that If Jesus could just grant this, or maybe we don't need Jesus to do this, like more money would just help me get this wish list. And what happens is that you begin to put money so high that, and above everything else that you begin to worship money, and so you can't worship If you're worshiping money, you can't be worshiping Jesus at the same exact time. The Bible Bible actually says you can't serve both God and man. You can't serve money and God. So he says here in in this thing, or I to you, like, you can't, you can't, you can go from a list of wishes to a life of worship. I think this is super, super important today. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, all scripture talks about worship. You may be been here to say the Bible actually talks about in heaven right now, they're just worshiping Jesus. That's what, we're, that's what they're doing in heaven right now. In heaven right now, it's 24 hours of worship. There's a church called OHOP, Orlando House of Prayer, and this is the idea. They pray 24 hours a day. But in heaven right now, everyone's just worshiping Jesus. That's all they're doing. And the Bible says that we're supposed to live our life in such a way on earth like we're going to live when we get to heaven. So we want to, I want to, I for us as a community, I want us to worship God now. I want us to worship Jesus right here on this earth because when we worship now, it's just getting us ready for when we get to heaven because when we get to heaven, that's all we gonna do is worship Jesus. You're like, are we going to sing? I don't even think we're going to sing. There's going to be points of life and points of, uh, when we get to heaven, where our mouths are going to be dropped in awe. That's why worship is so much more than a song because sometimes when you worship, you just sit there in an attitude of reverence. You can't even move. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you were so close to Jesus, you can't even move? If you have, then you know what worship is. You can explain worship. I can't even. I'm paralyzed because God is so big and God's so. I can't even. I can't even talk right now because the, because God's so big. And God's so amazing. We have to trade in our list of wishes to, to have a life of worship. We have, from one we can go from a life of worry to a heart of of worship. <clears throat> is stuff bad, Wes? No. Should you worry and, and plan? Probably you should you should plan Diana's a planner you should plan if it wasn't for Diana Easter next week would be a mess at our church she's a planner you ought to plan there's nothing wrong with planning should you have systems in life absolutely stuff yeah it's fine but when you get to a point in our life where all those things get between us and God then we can't worship the way that he wants us to worship and by the way, he's only created you for one thing in life, and that's to worship. You can worship him at your job, you can worship him at your home. That's what's so beautiful about worship. You can worship him everywhere you go. This, this guy said this, please radiate, uh, w- real worship radiates through a person's entire life. You can worship wherever you go. You can worship in the shower, you can worship in the bathroom, you can worship in your car. You, should, you can worship while you're, you, you name the place that you're at, you can worship relationships You can worship God in your relationship. When you, when, you, when you do what's right in your relationships, then that can be worship to God. Everything you do can be worship. At your job, dealing with that boss that you don't like, that, you can be worshiping still. Everything you do is worship. The question is, who are you doing it for? Are you doing all that you have for God? Doing it for yourself? Doing it for the people that are around you? And then lastly, I wrote down this: worship really is all about giving Jesus all that you have and all that you are. That's what worship is about. When you and I, when when you give Jesus all that you have, you will never, ever, ever, ever run out of what you need. And guys, I this I could I could teach this every week because this is the secret. I hate doing that as a pastor. Hey, here's the secret to living. Give Jesus all that you have and all that you are, and you'll never, ever run out of the stuff that you need. But you know what we do? We do the opposite. We go try to pursue all the stuff that we need, pursue all the stuff that we, we need, pursue all the stuff we need, pursue all the stuff we need. You know what we do when we do that? We always run out. If your God is money, there will never be enough, or you'll run out of it. One of those two things. Oh, I just need more money. I 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 need more money. need more money. And you'll get all the money in the world. You're like, man, it's not enough. Dang it. Or you're losing. You're like, dang, I need more money. I need more money. And you live in that cycle. If it's relationships in here today, I I see people's relationships fall apart. And I try to help put them back together. and I try to connect them to Jesus. All those things. I just want... I study relationships all the time when I'm with people. Matt and Whitney invite us over for dinner this week, and we've never laughed so hard. <laughs> we have a good time. I, I love that. Um, Fraley and Brooke, I spend time with them. They're probably sick of hanging out with me because every time I'm talking, I'm like, you know, you can just tweak this in your relationship and it can make it better. I'm like, quit hanging out with this guy. Who does that? I have a good relationship with them, so I don't, I don't, I don't mind doing that. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And we, we talk about it. And I, when I, people I hang out with, they're like, hey, what are you... Last week, Ashley said, who who, do you, who speaks into you and Diana's life? Who speaks into your life? So if your thing is, and I said, oh, this person, this person, this person. If you live life trying to pursue relationships, pursue relationships, all that, what'll happen is, is that'll, that'll fall apart. I also know this about relationships. If you're married in here today, or you're in a relationship, if God is not in the dead center, it will not work, last. It will not work long-term. I just, because I study this stuff, and I'm like, man, how come... The trend now is to be divorced after 25 years of marriage. How come that's the trend? That's the trend. It's not the seven-year itch, it's not the five-year thing, whatever it is. Now it's, we get to, and what happens is, is we, we go life for so long without Jesus in the center, and we look around, the kids are gone, all that stuff, and you're like, oh, there's no Jesus here, so this isn't gonna work forever, and he can't keep it together. Jesus is the glue, and we need him to be the glue. If you're in a relationship, between, like when I just started dating this person, if he don't love Jesus and she don't love Jesus, <laughs> It's going to be hard for it to work long-term. It can last, anything can last for a season, but it won't be able to last long-term. And not, God is not at the very center of anything. Name it. God has to be the center for things to work out because He designed us to pursue Him. And His position that He desires for you and for me is for Him to be at the center of our life. That's what He wants for us, friends you give Jesus all that you have, you'll never run out of what you need. Can I ask you the question, what is it that you need? Whatever it is that you think that you need, that'd be the very one thing that I'd be having the most conversations with Jesus about, whatever it is having people in your life, is that all you need? No, you need, you need Jesus in your life, but you also need people in your life and you need food in your life. You need good, pe- you need good stuff around. Do you have to function? Can you, if I just, Wes, I'm gonna quit working my job. That's not why. I'm gonna be like, oh, that's all I need is Jesus. You have to work your job. I'm be like, hey, I, got, I quit today. <laughs> I took your advice, pastor, I quit my job. That's a bad idea. <laughs> that, that, won't, that won't work, I know that. Jesus wants to be at the dead center of your life. And everything else around it will flush out the way it's supposed to flush out. That's the way he designed it. That's the way he designed you. That's the way he designed me. He designed me to need him at the very center. A life of worry to a heart of worship, a list of wishes to a life of worship can only happen without, oh, it doesn't happen without putting Jesus first. And Jesus at the very center of your life. I'm done. I love you guys with all my heart. all of my heart I love you guys and I love you so much that I want your life to be the life that Jesus wants for you to have that's what I want for your life now today I want you to take home the fact that Jesus is madly in love with me and he wants my life I want you to to be able to grasp that today and be able to take that with you today whenever we give our lives to him and whenever we follow him and pursue him that's worship. All this stuff around you will line up the way it's supposed to line up if we pursue him with all that we have. Give him all that we are. And we'll never ever run out of the things that we need. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. The team's going to come back up.